You're listening to Trust Me, You're Broke. I'm your host, Julia, a millennial consultant in banking, here to give you some tips and tricks on how to make, save, and grow your money. Let's get started. December really is a month of reflection for a lot of people. A lot of people think about, you know, their health, their wealth, their happiness, and I think that's what leads to the New Year's resolutions that are made in January. And I think this is great, especially when you're reflecting on kind of your career, because one of the greatest ways you can increase your wealth or your net worth is by increasing your largest income source, which for most people would be your day job. Now, I really could be stating the obvious here and say, oh, you should really try to get a promotion as soon as possible, or you should really try to negotiate your salary, or even with raises, right? Uh, Within your job level, there's oftentimes a salary cap. So it's not like the better you do, the more you can earn. Um, So it's all of these things are not 100% within your control, which is why for this episode, I don't want to focus on giving you advice that's, you know, you should try to make more money as much as possible, or if you're unhappy, you should leave your job. But I do think that there are practical things that you can do to set yourself up for success within your career. And there are definitely alarming cues that let you know that it's about time for you to make a transition out of your job and find a new opportunity. So today I wanted to reflect on some of the things that I believe I have done right in my career so far, some of the things that I believe I could have improved on or should not have done, and then some cues that I have experienced that led me to leave my previous jobs. All right, so starting with things that I think worked out well for me in my career, uh, the first thing is really knowing my purpose. Now, no one hates fluffy advice as much as I do, so I'm going to be as clear as possible on what I mean by knowing my purpose. The first question I ask about any job opportunity or any job that I am currently in is whether or not I could clearly see the role my job would play in my career for the foreseeable future. And this is why I never took any job opportunity lightly. Every career move that I made, including my part-time job as a sales associate in a jewelry store, had its purpose. I chose that job and that opportunity and that part-time job, even though others just thought, ah, it's a part-time job that any university student can take had a purpose in my mind. And what that purpose was, was essentially because I was studying marketing at the time and in the foreseeable future, I saw myself having a marketing career. A lot of these brand uh, marketing jobs value sales experience. So as a part-time job, I wanted to have an opportunity to sell and to experience what it meant to merchandise, for example, to experience what it meant to be a sales associate for a big brand. And by choosing this opportunity that was seemingly just another part-time job for a lot of people, I had effectively established one leg up from other candidates who didn't have sales experiences. When I went into that interview, I was able to explain to my recruiters that I deliberately chose this job because I knew that in a marketing role, sales experience is incredibly important, that I was able to explain how it feels to deliver a brand experience to a client, be on that client or consumer facing role. 
So this is my first advice. It doesn't matter if it's a part-time job, a little small gig, a project you're doing, or a full-blown job, know your purpose. Because when you talk to other people and you knew your purpose and you decided your career and your job with intent, you have a much better story now that you're telling. And that really sets you up for success and differentiates you from a lot of people. You would be surprised to know the amount of people who accept jobs based on the fact that A, the opportunity has fallen on their laps, and B, because at the moment, it seems like a decent paying role. And for the latter, you might think, well, that is financially sound. And I agree with you, in the short run, it is financially sound. But if you don't have a purpose, in accepting that job other than the fact that it's high pay, then when you try to transfer those skills or when you try to move on and upgrade your career, you won't be able to give a good reason to your recruiters as to why you are the better candidate and that you should be chosen. This is something that has really set me up for success, not only in searching for a job, but also upgrading my position within a job. Some wise person once told me that uh, building your career and building your wealth is a marathon and it's not a sprint. That's why it is really important for any job that you take. I don't care if you're working at a McDonald's in a part-time job. Ask yourself, why that instead of another opportunity? Why am I taking this job instead of another potential one? Because there's a lot of opportunities out there and the choice is yours. Back in university, there were a lot of, again, because I was studying marketing, the kind of two streams that you could go into as a marketing grad was basically in CPG or in brand marketing. And then the second was kind of like consulting. Those were the two streams that were considered quote unquote successful for marketing grads. And while I still maintain the opinion that that is absolute bullshit, I would be lying if I told you I was unaffected by that back when I was a student. So I asked myself, how can I differentiate myself? How can I really bring value to my own career? This, and this was back when I was a university student. And my conclusion at the time, which now looking back, I don't necessarily think was the most positive conclusion that I could have given myself, was that I couldn't compete with those kids who, for instance, already had an existing network, like their parents was an executive at some CPG, or their sister's boyfriend was a brand manager who could send in an internal reference for their internship, things like that. And these are true stories that were literally told to my face when I asked, you know, how did you get that opportunity? Or, you know, um, it's not just kids with networks and stuff. Of course, there were brilliant, brilliant students who, for instance, from day one of university knew that they were going to be a brand manager. That was their sole focus in life or knew that they wanted to be in management consulting. And so from day one of university, all they were doing was prepping for that interview in third year uh, for their internship or all they were doing was um, participating in these competitions. I decided that I couldn't compete with those kids because I was not one of them. And to be honest with you, I was salty about that. You know, I was at one point I was like pretty immature and I was thinking, you know, how come my dad can't help me out with XYZ or why didn't I focus on XYZ when I first started university? And the reason was because I didn't have a purpose. When I joined university, I didn't know what I wanted. You know, I, I, I honestly wanted to be an entrepreneur and I chose the marketing major because I knew that, you know, as part of the marketing major, you learned how to develop products, for example, and market a product, which is a huge part of running a business. So I just thought, you know, this was the, the degree for me. But 
at that time, I lost sight of that purpose because I was like, okay, everyone else is doing so well in these seemingly two successful streams that um, marketing students have. I must be failing. And so, you know, I, I just decided for myself that this wasn't the way I was going to go. I wasn't going to compete with them for a CPG internship. I wasn't going to put a huge name on my resume because I couldn't. And honestly, that that's a pretty negative mindset to have, but that is the decision that I made for myself. And as soon as I was able to make that decision, then the next question I asked myself was, so then what do I want and how can I stand out? How can I land that sought after job after graduation anyway? but use a different route to get there. How can I prove myself wrong that, you know, getting all the CPG names and all the CPG internships on my resume was the only way I could land a job in the CPG world post-graduation? So my conclusion was, okay, my next opportunity is going to be one where I am going to have a lot of direct responsibilities, a lot so that on my resume, I can give tangible results. And obviously, I still have massive respect for anyone that works in the CPG world and works in big corporations. I mean, I work in a big corporation now, and also my first job was in CPG. So I have massive respect for everyone. So don't get me wrong when I say this, but oftentimes an internship at a bigger company means that you have a smaller responsibility. You're not leading projects. You're not, you know, making huge impacts like huge ROI returns, for example, or, you know, if you're working in digital marketing, it's not like you're increasing click-through rate from some percent to 150%. You're not doing that. What you're doing is assisting other people, assisting other managers, assisting a team, maybe doing some data analysis. And while that experience is still really valid and really valuable, so don't get me wrong, I mean, all of those things are valuable learning. I just thought my opportunity here was to be able to say, I was an intern, but these numbers are directly attributed to me. I drove these results. And so my opportunity was for me to show recruiters that in my internship experience, I took leadership and I made direct impact on the company's performance, which is why the following next experiences that I had as an internship was mainly in startups. And that's because it's a smaller environment. You really need to uh, use a lot of different types of thinking hats when the company is so small. But as a result of that, your personal impact to the company is higher, even if you are an intern. And I think setting this differentiator from the other candidates has really set me up for success when finding that initial job. But that same type of mentality kind of extends on to today as well. Anytime I take on a new opportunity, I really ask myself, what is the net add or net value add to my career? What is the purpose of this job? Now, the second thing that I think I've done well and that I still do well today is to remain transparent and honest about what I want out of a job. Once you have determined the role that your current job is going to play in your career, make sure you use that to strategically ask for the things you want in your position. In my current job, for example, I consistently have conversations about the types of projects that I need in order to remain motivated and challenged. And this comes from a very deep understanding of myself. I understand that I need intellectual stimulation. And once I don't feel that anymore, I will not be working as hard as I used to, 
for instance. The other thing that I understand about myself is that I need variety in my work, aka I get bored easily. And this is literally what I told my um, senior director and what I told my boss is I get bored. And so I need to stay entertained. And the way I stay entertained is when I'm put into challenging situations where I feel intellectually challenged. And so those were the projects that they then are looking for, for me. And those are the opportunities that end up landing on my lap. In my previous job, as part of the program that I was in, uh, basically we had to be in a four-month project. And usually that four-month project is like, you can state your preference, but usually they assign you a role or a department to work with. Well, I had a very specific department I wanted to work with. And in this specific department, they had never assigned a four-month project to uh, someone in a similar role before. But I met with the manager of that department and I really wanted to make sure this came true. And as a result of that, they created a project for me because I was not afraid to ask. And you know, different people value different things. So for other colleagues, for example, who saw that I was assigned to this project, maybe for them it was less valuable than how I valued it. But for me, the importance there was I wanted experience in the in the digital e-commerce space for CPG because that is the future of any type of physical product and any type of physical inventory retailers, for example, digital is the way to go. So I wanted to understand how that worked systematically and to be able to say that I worked on a project where not only was I a part of this big CPG company, but I also had a role in creating a digital experience for these products. In my mind, getting that experience has really helped me open up the doors because I wasn't just labeled as Julia Choi who had experience in CPG and is, you know, really, really focused on marketing. I mean, if that's your be all end all, then great for you, but it wasn't for me. Um, so having that kind of digital kind of consulting role really helped me uh, find and lock down my next opportunity which is the job that I have today. So if I can offer up one piece of advice from this whole experience that I have is to not be afraid to ask for what you want, understand what you want and ask for it. And more importantly, do not be apologetic in asking for what you want or what you need in a job. I'm really sorry to experience the fact that especially women my age or maybe older, are apologetic when they ask for things or when they express their ideas. Ladies, don't apologize for things that you should not apologize for. And this is the one other thing that I think has really set me up for success in my job. And honestly, it hasn't come natural to me. It had to be a conscious effort for me to not say things like, sorry to interrupt or sorry, I'm taking your time. I'm so sorry if I may, or, you know, things like, oh, this might be a stupid question, or this is just an idea, but like, don't use language that diminishes your worth. And obviously this is not just for women. I know men do it too, but there is absolutely no worth in diminishing your ideas or your contribution or your existence. Especially phrases like sorry to bother you suggests that the other person's time is more valuable than yours. 
And you know what? That's just simply not true. If you have self-respect, you know that your time is probably equally as important as someone else. And it doesn't matter if this other person is of a higher level than you and is busier than you. Sure, maybe it may seem like their time is more valuable, but you're there for a reason. Your time is being paid for because it is valuable. So don't forget that when you're trying to ask for something or when you're trying to express an idea, never be apologetic because you should not be apologizing. You should not be saying sorry for doing your job and doing it well. And this is one of the things that I think I didn't do very well early on in my like university days. Um, and one experience that really, really stuck with me was I think in second year or so, I was um, interviewing for this brand management mentorship program. It was literally called BMMP uh, back in school. It was a very competitive program where, you know, a lot of students who saw a career in brand management applied to it and wanted that mentorship and also wanted that connection so that they had a foot in the door when it came to interviews and resumes and all of that. Now, as I said earlier before, I believe that this was one of the way to quote unquote succeed as a marketing grad. So of course, I also applied for this mentorship program. And because I didn't have any pre-existing networks here in Canada, it was all the more important for me to get in. Um, and so what happened was I submitted my resume, I passed the first stage, and then I got an interview. And I was extremely uh, nervous for this interview because in my mind it was like the highest stakes ever. It was my, like my only chance to get into CPG. I was so nervous and I went in and I thought actually the interview went well. Then the interviewer, which I will not mention his name, but I still remember the the facial expression and everything that uh, was in that scenario. But basically he stopped me in the middle of one of my responses and he said, can I give you a piece of feedback? And I said, yes. And he said, you have one of the most impressive resumes I have seen yesterday and today, but you are short selling yourself. And he said, when you're talking about your experiences, I don't believe that it was a very valuable experience to you because of the way you are portraying it. And you know, this broke my heart and actually still thinking about it today, it kind of breaks my heart a little because I think there's there's two parts to this. One is he was absolutely right. And he kind of brought out my insecurity and just called it out basically and said, your insecurity is what's hindering you from succeeding in this interview today. And so that was hard to hear, right? Um, to hear that, you know, I have the best experience, but because of the way I am saying it because of the way I'm selling it, he's not convinced. Like that was just really hard to hear. But that was a real turning point for me because it taught me two things. The first thing is that I have been taught all my life as, you know, an Asian, um, that being humble meant short selling yourself, right? And being humble was really important. It was not acceptable to you know, be super proud of all of your achievements because that's just too much, what should I say? It's just too much pride, right? It's not a good attitude to have. That's kind of the culture that I grew up in. And so a part of me learns that here in Canada, that type of a 
you know, humbleness that you're trying to show doesn't work. It doesn't come across as humble. It comes across as weak. And as soon as I learned that, I did tweak my strategies. But the reason why to this day it makes me a little sad is because that's still a part of my culture. And I find it really important that, you know, um, when you're in such a multicultural country, it's really important to understand how different people communicate and different people express their achievements. So it was a little sad to hear that, you know, because you expressed a certain way, you're not going to get this opportunity. Um, but it was fair. And that's why it was a big learning opportunity for me. So what I took with that is not only, you know, oh, this cultural type of behavior doesn't work in this culture and in this country. But the second part was really for me to reflect on how I was portraying myself. And what I learned from that was that I was indeed too apologetic about my experience and about my achievements. I should have been more proud of it because I can be, because these are my achievements, because they're some of the best achievements that he has seen. So when it came time to the last year of my university, um, I really wanted to make sure that I wasn't the one hindering myself. And I think to this day, I try to remind myself of that. You should not be your own barrier in telling yourself what you are and what you aren't capable of. That is the worst thing you can do in your career. And it's something that I have done with myself is to limit myself. Let others tell you that you cannot do it. But don't tell yourself that you can't do it. Because if you do that, you're not even going to try to go for something more ambitious, to go for that bigger opportunity, to go for that bigger project, to go for that promotion. Um, and it's really important that you convey that sense of confidence as well. So it's something that I have really had to practice. But I think it's really important not to be apologetic about what you're requesting and to not be apologetic when you are making those achievements. Um, this year, I was promoted uh, despite the pandemic. And as humbling as that was, um, that was a very strategic and calculated move on my part. I made it very clear that I wanted recognition for my performance. And I knew, everyone knew, that my performance was good enough for me to um, get a promotion. And so I wanted to make that clear, right? I brought the numbers to the table and I said, you know, at one point... Um, I was making up 40% of the team's performance. Uh, there's a way that we track um, our performance, by the way, and I'm not going to go into that because that's not really important. Uh, but I was making up for 40% of the entire team's performance. I mean, that's pretty clear, right? That number is objective. So old me would have been like, yeah, but also I could be better, I guess. Like I, I could do 50 I could do 60 like I'll just wait you know or I won't bring this to my manager because that'll just sound too proud like maybe I haven't been here long enough this was my seven month mark by the way into this job so I was like ah you know I would have thought you know ah, I haven't been in this job for long enough for me to ask for a promotion but my thoughts have shifted since I received that feedback in second year in university and so because of that, I asked for it. I literally said, you know, I think 
I deserve a promotion. I think I'm ready because I think I have consistently shown with my numbers, with my interpersonal skills, with my stakeholder management skills, that I'm ready for something bigger. And I don't want to do anything bigger if I'm not going to get adequate compensation and adequate recognition for it. And so what followed were many months of conversations, of tests through bigger projects to see my readiness for a bigger role. And as a result of that, they've decided that I, what I said about myself was indeed true. And so I was given a bigger opportunity. If you're listening to this and you think, how cocky of you, then, you know, I'm sorry, not sorry. Like literally, this is the fact of the matter and this is how I approached my promotion and how I eventually achieved it. It's worked for me. It may not work for you, but I promised myself that I would not apologize and we all collectively need to promise ourselves not to be apologetic over our accomplishments. So preaching aside, (laughs) because I've done some preaching now because I really, really believe in this. If you haven't yet, practically speaking, had a conversation with your manager about your development, that is specifically a promotion, a raise, a bigger opportunity to get bigger recognition within your company, you need to have that conversation now. There must be some things that you are doing well in your job. If you're not, then obviously continue to look for ways that you can excel in your current job. Listen to feedback and think, okay, why is it that people think of me this way? Is it because I'm portraying myself that way? Or is it that you know I'm not on top of certain things because um, the job that I'm in right now really, really brings out my weakness. It could be that too, right? Not everyone's perfect. Not everyone's great at their jobs. So be honest with yourself and be critical about yourself as well and think about it. So if you think you need more time to improve on the job that you're doing, then really work on that. But if you think you're at a point where you're doing well and you're making positive impact and you deserve that next level recognition or raise or promotion, then you need to be having a conversation as soon as possible with your manager. Level set with them. Sometimes when you're doing an adequate job and you have a manager who just expects adequate things from you, you won't get constructive criticism from your managers. And this is really, really important because this comes out when your promotion is about to happen. It always comes out. In my five-month mark, I sat down with my manager and I said, my current manager, and I told him, I know I'm doing well. You are telling me I'm doing well. I agree with all that. That's great. I've heard it multiple times now. I would really like to know what I can focus on improving. Where are my weaknesses? What are practical things I can work on now? And I directly, deliberately said, I don't want to be at my one-year mark wanting a promotion for you to then tell me what I'm missing. I want to work on what I'm missing now. And so one of the things that were discussed that we both agreed on was that I needed more experience with data analysis. And where I was lucky was that my manager is great enough to give me an opportunity right away to showcase my skills in that way. Um, But this was a conversation I had so early on that by the time I was a year, a year, three months in and just waiting for my promotion to happen, they really couldn't come to me and say, well, you didn't show me enough of data analysis because I had been working on it for seven months. (laughs) 
You see what I mean? So make sure you ask for recognition, but you also ask for constructive criticism that you can work on early on. But either way, have that conversation with your manager early on and ask for what you want. And my last piece of advice in this topic really is don't give a damn about what other people think about you. And this was something that I have done wrong, I think, in my uh, early career was like I was too conscious of what other people thought. Oh, they think I'm a loser because I don't have brand management experience or, ugh, you know, these recruiters are not going to like me because I have small names on my resume, not big names. Ugh, this, ugh, that. Like, don't care about that. You know, during my recruitment season uh, in the last year of my university, people told me that, you know, a certain company, for example, did not like to hire international students. But I applied anyway, because you should not listen to that. Don't listen to other people and don't care about what other people think. Too much of our insecurities are fueled by us being so conscious of what other people think of us. Just do what benefits you. Uh, Focus on yourself and don't listen to all that noise that's out there, all the rumors of how to get a job, how to succeed in a job. It doesn't matter. Even my experience that I'm sharing with you today take with, you know, a grain of salt because that's my experience and it not might not apply completely to you. But it's just things that have worked well for me that you could try, but don't let anyone discourage you from trying something or trying to upgrade your career because there's going to be a lot of those naysayers, trust me. And you should not listen to them. All right, so now that I've talked about kind of what I did right, I think, and what I did wrong, and what I think you should be starting today in order to upgrade your career, I do want to kind of briefly talk about some of my experiences leaving a job because maybe some of you guys are thinking of transitioning into another career, another job, um, another field, or going back to school, whatever it may be. Leaving a job that you already have is difficult because A, it's comfortable, you know, you're getting a pay, you don't have to look for a job again, you don't have to go through all of that anxiety and panic again. But I do believe that there are cues uh, where, you know, you know you should be moving on. The first is no matter how clear you are being with your manager or with your team about your ambitions and your need for more recognition, it just isn't happening. And this might be a cue for you to move on because it might mean that, you know, this job just isn't challenging enough for you. It's not ambitious enough for you. It's not motivating enough. And unfortunately, with a lot of corporations, you know, there is a limit as to how much they can promote, you know, how much of a raise they can give, all of that. So, If repeatedly you're having these conversations, but you're really not getting any type of opportunity, I mean, reassess, of course, you know, how you're delivering that message, reassess your relationship with your managers. But at the end of the day, if you are repeatedly unhappy about the lack of experience and the lack of opportunities you're getting, then that could be one sign that you're ready to move on to something bigger. Now, one sign that I had in one of my kind of internships at the startup um, that I was in was 
I realized, obviously, you know, the internship was a summer internship, so it was going to end anyway. It wasn't like I was going to, you know, work there full time. I had no intentions to as well to work there full time. It's not like they offered me full time either. But I think the reason why they didn't offer me full time um, was because by the end of it, I was like taking the work really personally. And I think by the end of it, I was just upset. Like I was just not happy about going to work. I was not happy about the people I were I was working with. I was angry as a result of that. I was just, you know, angry that I was doing such menial work. Um and as a result, I was deeply deeply unsatisfied. And what that taught me was really about myself that I really did not enjoy the type of menial work that I was doing, that I needed bigger picture work. So that was something I learned with myself, which is why, you know, when I was picking and choosing my career, I didn't want to go into agency, for example, not because their work is trivial or menial. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. That was just my specific experience. But the specific work that I was doing was close to that of an agency where it was more tactical. It was, you know, it required more attention to detail with the smaller things like copy and the positioning and the grammar and the small things, small graphical things, you know, this is just not what I wanted to work on at all. I mean, for some people that is the shit for me, that was not it. Like it just, to me, it was like, I was not intellectually stimulated enough to, to do something like that. So it didn't suit me. So I did learn a lot about myself. But, you know, had they offered me a full time, I I would have said no, absolutely not. And had an agency offered me full time, I would still to this day say no, absolutely not. Because now I know, you know, this type of work not only demotivates me, but it actually upsets me. <laughs> this is something that I learned about myself. Like it deeply upsets me to have to work on things like that. So um, that's really a learning that I had, I think. Um, and, And a clear cue for you as well is if you're feeling an emotional despair for your work, um, I think it's about time to leave uh, your job. And then the third cue, which is the one that I really felt with my last job, because my last job um, promised basically fast promotion, you know, meritocracy, which means, you know, if you're good at your job, you're going to get promoted. It's not office politics or it's not about tenure, which I really, really appreciate and I really love. Um But one thing that really disturbed me about my past job was the fact that, sure, I was going to be director by the time I'm 28, 30. I don't know. I, you know, you're not guaranteed that, but that's kind of the, the career trajectory that I was seeing with, with people uh, at that company with my same role. So, you know, you're going to become director really early, but my problem was, okay, well, what if one day I want to leave that job? Was that transferable? Was I going to become director of another CPG company? And the answer is no, because other CPG companies will look at the years of experience, you know, so you would end up becoming a manager or a senior manager again anyway. 
So I didn't see much value in quickly promoting in a company that I didn't necessarily see 20 years of my career in. I just didn't because, you know, it was an industry in beer. I was I'm still not a beer drinker. I got into that company because I deeply respected um the marketing behind beer. I think it's the one of the most interesting marketing and you know, best budget spends in marketing possible. It's so interesting, so much to learn. I love the culture. Um, it's just so fun natured. But the fact that if I left that company, I wouldn't be kind of respected at the same level um, was a red flag for me because it was like, what's the point of getting promoted quickly here if when I'm out, I'm going to be still at the same level as other people anyway. So that wasn't much of a selling point for me and ended up being like the big trigger as to why I left. Um, But actually looking back, and I didn't know this affected me this much, um, but it was actually the people. Um, The people were good. They were great. I mean, I mean, just like, you know, don't take me wrong with my hesitation here, but um, overall, everyone was great. What I disliked about it, according to my personality, was that overall, the company, in my opinion, was too young. Specifically, my cohort were all the same age as me. And I think that has its benefits AKA like IE, you know, it's fun, you know, it's relatable, it's youthful, it's it's all of that, it's casual, but there's also significant drawbacks to that. And I think significant drawbacks as in sometimes it's not as professional as it should be. Um, sometimes more emotions are involved than not. It, it, sometimes things get personal. Um And, you know, I thought that didn't affect me. And I thought that I enjoyed the fact that my cohorts were all my same age. But after working with a team with a diverse age range, you know, pretty old to, you know, around the same age as me, I think what I learned is that in order to keep that professionalism and to keep feeling like I was being challenged professionally and not personally, um... I needed to be in a group of more diversity in terms of age, in terms of background than I was in in that job. You know, to be honest, like I honestly, I did not think that that was a big consideration in my career. But now being in this job, being in a team where it's just super diverse, it's crazy the difference um, in the the level of, I guess, understanding with one another. Um, It's just way more sophisticated, a team, uh, when you have a diverse set of people uh, on the team. My last job was predominantly white, you know, predominantly male, uh, very sports-oriented, which is, you know, it makes sense because it's a beer company, Um, and while those individual people aren't racist or like the culture wasn't racist at all, like they were all super, super nice people and super respectable people, which is why I didn't realize it at that time. But looking back, I did feel the pressures a little bit. I did feel the pressure to want to learn how hockey worked so that I could, 
you know, be in a conversation and be relatable. I wanted to, you know, enjoy golfing because that's what the sales department liked to do. Like, it was just a little bit of those moments that I didn't understand until I got out of it. So, I mean, that's just my experience, but that could be also one checkpoint that you can have with you and your career and your job right now is, do I feel motivated by the team and the, the individuals? Do I feel like I have to be a different person, even in the slightest bit? Um, and if the answer is yes, then that could be a potential yellow flag because that's kind of how I felt was like sometimes I felt like I had to be another person. And that didn't stand out to me until I realized how fully comfortable I am being myself on this team. Um, Like another example is not even to do with race or anything like that, but even things like um, the, uh, the majority of the teammates in my past job, for example, are extroverts. They're very extroverted. I am what I call, I think, an extroverted introvert where I come across as extroverted, but I'm actually extremely introverted. Like I love staying at home by myself, maybe not by myself, but I like to have a very close knit of friends. You know, I'm not someone that can easily approach everyone, even though I have a lot of love for a lot of people that I have come across in my life. I find it very difficult to express all of that, you know, consistently across a wide uh, network. That's just not who I am. And so, you know, even though I felt like I was gelling well at the time. I think the the reason why some of the the networks and some of the relationships that I had fostered isn't existent today is because really I was not extroverted. <laughs> uh, I was just acting extroverted, but I was never extroverted. And in this team, for example, there's a mix. There are extroverted people, but there are a lot of introverted people. And then being in a team like that, I've realized that I can be a lot more myself. And so, you know, I, I this isn't money related, but I think it's really important because the more satisfied you are with a job and the more comfortable you are, um, I think it's more enabling for you to not only perform better, but also it sets you up for success because it sets a standard for yourself for what you're looking for in a work environment. So maybe have a think about, yourself, how you're doing with your group of people, if you really enjoy um, working with them while being perfectly yourself. Um, and if the, if the answer is no, I encourage you to think about why. Um, and if there's other ways that you can really enhance that experience of working with people that are diverse or that you feel like you perfectly fit in. Um, And that could be your cue to look for another opportunity, or it could be your cue to have some important conversations with, you know, HR or with your manager to make sure that you're upgrading your experience. So that's all for today. And, you know, this episode was a little bit different than all of my other episodes where it's straight up about money. And I think because, you know, your largest income source, which usually is your day job, is also the largest source of investment that you can make, and that is on yourself. So today's episode was a little bit of a food for thought for you guys. I hope it helped out. Um, you know, I think it's really important to know what you want and own it, and also, you know, continue looking for other opportunities if you're not completely satisfied um, with your work. Uh, I hope this episode wasn't too dramatic. 
with a lot of stories and, you know, tea to share. Um, I really enjoyed overall, generally, um, all of my work experiences so far. Um, but obviously there were reasons to move on as well. So I just wanted to share kind of ways that you can also identify when it is the right time for you to move on because the world is full of opportunities and you should really seize them if you want to maximize that income source. Hope today's episode was informative and fun. If you'd like to show me some support and also want to get started on Wildsimple today, I actually have a referral link in my description that you can use at sign up. If you use my link, you can get your first 10,000 managed for free for the next 12 months. That's an extra 0.5% savings, which by the way is higher than a bank's savings account interest rate. But shh, I didn't tell you that. If you like this episode, please give my podcast a like, a five-star review, and a follow. Also, go follow me at Wealth by Julia on Instagram for more tips and tricks. I'll talk to you soon.